0: all right it's dt systems dog tested and dog tough you know we like that dog in 'em, baby We've been using the H2O 1820. Over the last several months, we've been playing with this unit. Our friends at Standing Stone Kennels, Ethan and Kat, they've been using it for years and we've been playing with it. We really like it. I think for the dog trainer, the hunter, and the guy or gal who's training their dog to get ready for duck season, we'll really enjoy the 1820. Super reliable, super consistent, great unit for you and your dogs. H2O 1820. Dog tested. Dog. Hashtag man's bass kennel, it's Gunner Kennel's baby. It's a kit. We had Addison on the the podcast, a phenomenal dude, always innovating our industry. And one of the things that he brought up is it's a kit. It's not just the kennel itself. You've got the fan 2.0 for your summer, right? Like it's hot out. We got to keep that dog cool. In wintertime, you got the all weather kit. Keeps that poor body temperature in there so the dog doesn't have to work as hard to stay warm. They also have the magnetic door accessory that keeps that body temperature in there. And then the straps. Everybody thinks like, oh, I'll just go to Home Depot and get the cheapo straps. Well, listen, they developed these straps so that basically you can lift a VW bug with the two straps. So if you were to get in a car accident on the way to the duck blind or the training grounds, that dog is going to be beyond strapped and stay safe. Check it out. Gunner kennels, baby slide in the DMs. We'll hook you up. It's force fetch, baby. It's the number one question we get asked. You don't know how to fix it. Let me help you. Let me get you to your goals. We built a course bunch of videos. I think there's 13 or 14 videos start to finish on how you and your dog can get through the force fetch process successfully. The link's in the description. Be sure to check it out and let me help you and your dog.
1: I don't want the listeners here to get anything wrong about what I'm saying. When I talk about the Grand and Master National, they're both incredibly hard. They're both They're both monsters in their own right. And they're so drawn out. The dogs have to be so good for so long. These national events that when you prepare for them, you just got to be ready.
0: What's going on, everybody. We've got another episode coming at you. We've got my friends, Casey and Jessica from the great Northeast of South Dakota. Met him, uh, met Casey at Master Nationals, and I was just so impressed with him that I, I invited him on the show and, and uh, just super excited to have them both on and just have a great, fun conversation. So, Casey, Jessica, I'd like you to introduce yourself to everybody that's uh, tuning in.
1: Hi, everybody. I'm Casey Daller with FR Labs. We've been, me and my wife, Jessica, we've been uh, professionally training dogs for around 10 years. Uh, we run HRC, AKC stuff. Uh, we run the International Grand. Obviously, we ran the Master National with with your very own Bob Owens there. And uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was a great time. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the differences between, you know, the Master National and the Grand that we saw, Bob, and, uh, you know, things things along that nature. You know, we live in the very northeast corner of South Dakota. It's a beautiful area to live, work, train the dogs, have our life up here. It is absolutely incredible and especially during the time that just left us, which was hunting season. Yep. Uh, the waterfowl season just went out up here. We had an incredible waterfowl season. We kind of, up here, me and my wife and the people we hunt with, we kind of tried to put a square peg in a round hole up here this year. We just bought uh, you know 140 acres, and we tried to do most of our hunting on that 140 acres. Uh, we've got some wetlands on it, you know, and we had, some great days. We had some pretty rough days where it's like, gosh, we should go scout and look other places and do other things. But it's awful special being able to hunt on your own place, your own hunting, uh, be able to do your own thing, have your own blind set up, do that on your own stuff. We saw lots of birds. We had lots of opportunities. We learned a lot about the property, which Bob, I didn't know if you, if I talked to you about that before or not, but we had bought that property uh, a week before I left. Mm A week before I left, come down to run the Grand and then the Master National, we had bought that property. So, you know, when I had met you, Bob, I hadn't been home yet really to, to explore and see the property. So sure. that, that was pretty special.
0: That's really cool. Is it close to your home and business?
1: It's about 20 miles from here, 20, awesome. 25 miles. Yep. Our business is currently located in Britain, South Dakota. Um, so for the listeners, we're kind of in the very northeast corner of South Dakota. The, the place we're moving to where we bought property and eventually we will build a, a home and facility is about 20, 25 miles directly east of where we currently live. And it's it's beautiful. It's up on the the Prairie Coteau. I guess if listeners kind of want to know what that is, you need to do a little research, but it's uh it's kind of a, a mountain formation in the middle of the prairie. And it's about, I don't know, 10 miles wide and I think about 200 miles long. And it's, the elevation difference from where we are at now to there is about a thousand feet.
2: Okay. So
0: it's a pretty- Gotta be beautiful.
1: Oh, it's gorgeous. And when you're up on top there, you can see everything. And it's it's really, really, really pretty.
0: That's super cool. Jessica, go ahead and introduce yourself.
3: Yes, I'm Jessica Dowler. Help Casey with the, the business. I'm kind of the puppy guru. He does more of the training stuff. And I also have a full-time job. I'm a wildlife biologist for the US Fish and Wildlife Service. So um, that keeps me busy during the day. And then when I'm not doing that, I'm helping with everything dogs at home. Um running hunt tests on the weekends when I can. I'm an HRC judge, love judging. I just got done judging the grand for the third time. And I I kind of grew up with dogs and hunting and in. My entire life, but moving to South Dakota really upped that for me, really <laughs> broadened that and expanded from there. So um, we both love it here. I'm a Minnesota native. He's a Missouri native, and
0: I was going to say, I-, I heard a little bit of that Minnesota in the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: out and about in the boat, eh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> but this is where we want to be. I mean, this is where we love it here. It, it-, it fits our lives and our personalities, and, and we're here as- we're here for the long haul
0: absolutely where are you from originally
1: i'm originally from uh, missouri just south of kansas city a little small town called Lee summit not i guess not real small anymore no but uh, it's
2: a pretty good sized town.
0: kevin and i both just got back from there duck hunting in the lower southeast you know that boot hill yep. mm-hmm. region. flew into where did we f- you flew into memphis i drove yeah i flew into memphis and had a good hour and 20 minute ride but well, was that town bad?
2: Cape Girardeau. Pardon me. What's the big...
0: Kev, what t- town were we in? Give me I a second. Well, we hunted with Treasure Island uh, guys, and super fun. I mean, what a beautiful. For me, I mean, you're just you guys are like me. We got to drive everywhere because we've got the dogs and the equipment and all that, and so to to make that drive through Kentucky and see all the horses and, you know, look at the, the distillery trail, whatever they call And just, you get to see Tennessee, you get to see it all. It's, uh, it's beautiful country in the Midwest.
1: Gorgeous. Yep. Gorgeous. A lot of miles, a yeah. lot of miles run, especially having the dogs and, and being the the person with the dogs. Uh, yeah. We're always putting on the miles and, and uh, I think we have pretty much the same kind of vehicle.
0: yeah exactly yeah yeah. those dodges man i've had this is my third one and i put about a hundred thousand miles every two years just about yeah so it's uh we're road warriors and there's nothing beats it so how did you how did you get started both of you I'll, i'll ask the same question how did you get started in dogs
1: you know we we really searched and and found our first good dog, which her name was Ellie. Um, we purchased that dog from a gentleman by the name of Roger Weller. Uh, we purchased that dog from him and we absolutely fell in love with Ellie. And she was very well bred, um, uh, r- really good breeding, and just an incredible hunting dog. Um, about two years after we got Ellie, maybe three years, we met um, a gentleman by the name of Shane O'Lean uh, with Smoking Dakota Kennels. In Sioux Falls, and Shane opened up our eyes to the hunt test world. Um, he opened us up and, and really showed us what a dog was. Right?
0: Um, yeah. What could be? A lot
1: of people. A lot of people may not may not have seen a dog run a, a a really nice blind, whether it's in training or out hunting. Once you see that dog run that blind, right, that you remember. Um, and I will always remember, Shane, we were at an old gravel pit mm-hmm. and he ran a dog named Coda and he ran Coda across this um, gravel pit, blue whistle, the dog stopped and he perfectly the dog treaded water, tread waters, looked back at Shane, he gave him a nice cast. I will always remember that for the rest of my life, watching the dog run that blind and tread water like that. You know, and and we could take Ellie when we met Shane, we could take Ellie and we could give her a few casts, but she wasn't. It wasn't crisp and clean and exactly how we want it, but we learned from Shane how to do that, how to make it nice and crisp and clean. You know when he introduced us to what a lot of people get introduced to is you know the Mike Lardy, the Mike Lardy, uh, retreat. oh yeah, yeah. You know a lot of people run that, a lot of people do that, and and that's kind of where we got our start. And and from there we kind of developed our own thing. And um, but I, I will always be in, in great debt. Jessica and I will always be to to Shane and Terry Joe Olean for for helping us along the way mm-hmm. and, and getting going doing this job. Yep.
0: Very cool. How long ago was that?
1: What 12? twelve? Ten or twelve years ago. Yeah. Somewhere in there.
2: Yeah.
1: Um yeah. when they showed us that. And then we just we took off that that summer after he showed us that, that next summer we had started hunt test dogs. And the next summer we had seasoned dogs and, and the next summer dogs. we had, we had finished dogs. Yep. I mean, and then it's just been consistently, you know, that way. And I, I think there's Bob, you might agree or disagree with this. I don't know, but I think there's just some people that have a really high standard for their dogs. Like you will do this. You will do it correctly. You will do it the same way every single time that discipline, um, that very pointed directional that you wanna go. Um, and some people have that, some people don't. Um, and I think Jessica and I have that. I mean, we, we're we very disciplined in what we do with the dogs. The dogs, um, when we tell you to do something, you need to do it. And that's, I mean, especially when you get to older dogs. You know, young dogs, you know, Bob, I mean, you guys all know this. Those young dogs, they get to slip a little bit. They get to make some mistakes. We got to have an attitude. We got to have a really good attitude with these dogs. They've got to be really well versed in very, uh, a lot of different things. But once you start getting to these older dogs, they need to do it right. And that's, that's where we come in. Right, Bob? Uh,
0: yeah, I agree. I think uh, the one thing that I will, I mean, I want to just paint the picture for folks like close your eyes, unless you're driving. <laughs> right. And You know, sometimes when people hear the word discipline, it can be taken two different ways. You're using it as being super consistent, you know, do the right thing. If you don't, we're going to address it and move on, whatever. I agree with that. Other people take it as being maybe heavy handed or super strict. Well, super strict is still kind of consistency, but I just mean like they can't have fun anymore. They just are a robot. When I watched you work your dogs, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is how you were composed at the line, how good your dogs looked at the line, meaning happy, willing to work, team player, loved you. You know, they just, you were their buddy that you were, and they were your buddy. Like they looked really, really good for you. And so I think there is that happy medium of, yeah, do what I say when I say it and how I say it, but also we're having fun. And I, I'm, I dance that line too. I like to have dogs that walk nice to the line. I like to have dogs that sit nicely for me, have a crisp whistle set. And I'm not afraid to make a correction when when I know that they know to create that discipline, that structure. But I also don't want to lose the sense of we're here to have fun and, and I want you to have style still.
2: Oh, absolutely.
0: Yep. And I 100% after watching you run all, you brought how many dogs to the national? Like 13 or something? Eight, eight, eight felt like 13. How many times I saw you up there? <laughs> you know, they all had a great attitude, man. They all look good.
1: Well, and, and I think part of that is also kind of going off of what you said, that discipline and being strict, having discipline for the dogs and being strict doesn't always mean a six high continuous, right? That, that doesn't mean that um, a lot of times, leading up to these national events, that collar's in my back pocket, right? Some of it, I wanna say majority of it, we're gonna have a bunch of verbal corrections when it's no, no here. Because when we get to these dogs, these dogs that are at the master national level, the grand level, it is not that we need to teach them something. It's mental. In, in my opinion, a lot of it is mental. Um, being mentally ready for this, having a good attitude and being on that razor's edge, right? being right on that razor's edge. You're not too far this way. You're not too far the other way. You're right there in the middle. And that's what makes a dog in my opinion. That's what makes those dogs run where they have style and and we like to see them run. That's, that's what we love to see. And, and I, I absolutely love taking those dogs that I took to the line. I love taking every one of them because yeah. every one of them in, in my book, they're, they're pretty wild. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah and I well love then them. they deserve to be there you know they deserve to be there they
1: want to do it they want to do it i i don't like i hate working dogs that you have to make them do stuff you got to make them do this you got to make them do that you know we we gotta we gotta allow them to want to do it and they gotta want to do it once they want to do it that's when it becomes really fun um and that's that's the ones i really like to work with.
0: same here Unfortunately we get paid to do it. So sometimes we gotta do the other
1: one. Sometimes <laughs> we do, and it's not very fun, but we'll still do it. And and we'll we do whatever we can it. to instill that that happy, go lucky, go get it, be happy, let's go do it. And and in these dogs. And sometimes we can do it and, and unfortunately sometimes we gotta make them do it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know it. I know it. So you before the national had to travel to the grand. Yes, sir. Talk me through is this the first time you've had to do both like back to back like that? How did you prepare for going back to back?
1: So this was my first time ever running the master national.
0: Oh, no way. I didn't know that. I, cool.
1: I've never ran the master national before this year. And. It was. A good one. <laughs> it was a good one.
0: Uh, you just took a big deep breath before you thought of what you're going to say. I tell you what, the,
1: the grand, the grand is a monster. Yeah, I'll just tell you that right now. The Grand's a monster. And it's it's tough. It's drawn out. It's, I mean, you've got to be on your A game for five series in a row. You know, and then you turn around and go to the Master National where it's a monster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you've yeah. got to be on your A game five days in a row. Um, yep. Both of them had their challenges. Um, you know, stick, sticking with the Grand, that's kind of where we started talking about here. The Grand's hard. I mean, anybody that says the grand isn't hard, um, I, I'd love to have sit down and have a conversation with them.
2: Because it's I, all Justin's fault. It's four all grands. my fault, thanks. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've ran four grands or five? Five. I've ran five grands now. Um, every grand is, is hard in its own sense. Um, if your dog's ready for it, um, even if you think your dog is ready for the grand, it's probably not.
0: Probably not. It's hard, and the gra- can I, so can I can I chime in and and ask like, like paint the picture for our listeners like why right like it's super hard it's really difficult but like why?
1: So the the grand, a couple things. You we're shooting a shotgun at the line, we're shooting a shotgun with poppers at the line. Um, there's no shot in the field. Um, the bird is thrown out of a winger, um, and. Typically, they make these the birds a challenge for the dogs to locate these birds when they're thrown out of the wingers at the, at the grand. They're extremely, extremely, extremely good hunting marks um, that make them very difficult to see. The one big major challenge at the grand, you have to think between the grand and the master national. The grand, you have no shot in the field, okay? At the master national. At least you have something for the dog to turn its head and look at. You have that shot. You have something for the dog to recognize the birds being thrown. Um, but the one thing about the grand is there's very little room for recovery. You're judged on ones and twos. okay if you if you get a one, if you get a one in the first series, that's the only one you can get out of all four series. Okay. So you have no room for recovery. Mm-hmm. The recovery is the hard part at the grand. So I've, I've had one dog, I've ran five grands now. I've had one dog go through the grand on twos, meaning she did perfect in the first series. She did perfect in the second series. She did perfect in the third. She did perfect in the fourth. Okay. Well, after that fourth series, everything is removed, everything's gone. Okay. And now you're going to the fifth series. And it's a yes or no. It's a pass fail. It doesn't matter what you did the first four series. When you get to that fifth, that's that's when that's when it it gets. It's serious the whole time, but that's when you're you get pretty. nervous. And I get pretty darn nervous at all of them, but the fifth series at the Master National, okay. or sorry, fifth series at the Grand, just gets you. I mean, it gets me nervous. And I've done my previous career. We can talk about that a little bit, and I think that may be one reason why. I'm pretty composed at the line. Um, I don't, I still get nervous just like everybody else gets nervous. Um, but before I ran dogs, I was a a state game board in here in South Dakota, uh, for 15 years. And I did a lot of cool things. You know, I did search warrants and I did, I did stuff all over the state. Um, some really cool stuff. And I got put in some very unique situations, but then when you go to the line with a dog, you kind of lean on those situations. Hey, I've been in high stress situations before. You know, I can deal with this, um, and and it 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 does help. Uh, but also, yeah, I've trained with guys that have been overseas in Iraq, Afghanistan, and they come up to the line, run a dog, and they're so nervous. You got to calm them down, and right. and they've seen some pretty major action overseas, and and then they come to the line and and they're, they're nervous, and it's just something about having that dog next to you and. And either you're in a training situation or a hunt test situation and the thought of being judged, right? Uh, having yeah. a judge behind you and judging your work that you've done on that dog is, uh, is, is pretty unique.
0: It's also for me, it's also like, I I didn't take a single dog to the national that I didn't think could do it, but there's still a dog and things can go awry any moment. <laughs> And then the, the looming, like if it doesn't go well, you have to call that owner. That's not fun. That's not fun. And it it adds so much more pressure to it than just going up and enjoying the uh, uh, ability to run a hunt test. The freedom, the luxury, the privilege of going to the national is like, I know this dog can do it. I believe in us. This test is doable. And they still can be a dog and now I gotta make that phone call. So that's like the big one for me. It's like oh
2: God. it
1: makes it it's just having that you know, exactly what you're talking about, Bob, having that kind of in the back of your mind when you're running doesn't make it any easier.
0: No. You gotta black it out.
1: It doesn't. It doesn't. And I don't want the listeners here to get anything wrong about what I'm saying. When I talk about the Grand and Master National, they're both incredibly hard. They're both they're both monsters in their own right, and they're so drawn out. The dogs have to be so good for so long. These national events that when you prepare for them, you just got to be ready. You, yeah. you got to try to do whatever you can to be ready um, and, and make sure the dogs are mentally ready. Make sure you're mentally ready to go and, and, and perform how you're supposed to perform and, and make the dogs perform how they're supposed to perform.
0: How do you know when you're, sorry, Bob, how, how do you know when your dog is mentally ready for that? Because I think that's like a cool, like, you know, sports and this and that and whatever, a lot of people talk about mental toughness and all that. Well, I think it's it, pretty cool to hear that in a dog.
1: It it goes all the way back to how they're doing on the truck and trailer, how they're doing when they're airy, you know, how they're, I think everything goes into it. You know, as soon as they, you know, and I'm sure Bob's talked about this before on the podcast it all starts coming out of the truck and trailer. Everything starts right there, right? If you open that door and let the dog come sipping out and run 10 times around the truck going crazy, when you go to the line, it's going to be rough, right? But if you've got that dog, you open the kennel door here, sit. And the dog sits and looks up at you, you know, hey, you know, hey, we're doing something right. And we heal, we go over, be a good dog, whatever you're using to get that dog to evacuate its bladder, evacuate its intestines before we go run. And if they're doing that and they're responding to what you're saying and how you're saying it, I I think that all plays into that mental aspect of a dog. And you've got to look at the whole package. Uh, Once you look at everything from, like I said, on the truck and trailer, airing, eating their food, how they're doing, walking to the line, walking to the holding blind in training then we can really start getting a a full picture of their mental capability and their, their mental attitude before running these national events. I think it's extremely, extremely important.
0: Yeah. I could see it unraveling a little bit towards the, uh, uh, fifth series with a few of mine, you know, coming out of the truck and like going, Oh, oh, uh, here we go. It's my turn again. It's like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. Tone it down. Easy now, baby. Easy. Um, yeah, no, it's, you're absolutely right. I think, you know, Kev, I'll, I'll add to that too, is like, I, all, I think it's part of like maybe who I am in sports and growing up and whatever is I always, I'd never feel good enough or ready enough or whatever. I know that these dogs are good enough and ready enough and I am as well. But then there's that little bit of self-doubt and that self-doubt helps push you to do one more setup, one more drill, put, you know, take them for a a little bit of cardio on a Sunday instead of doing nothing. Like you just start trying to push yourself a little bit further and further and further. And at some point you have to look at how they respond on the regular weekend tests, how composed they are in training and in group session, group training groups. And with all, all the commotion that we do, how are they responding um do they start to come unglued you know by the third series after running three weekends in a row if they if that's the kind of dog they are we're going to have a harder time at the national they stay pretty composed three weekends in a row you know nine series in you know you, you probably got a pretty mentally mature well trained dog if you're crossing your fingers that they can get through that's probably not one i'm going to say let's let's take it to the national and see what happens um so those are the things like being overprepared, underwhelmed is my mantra
1: yep and and i think i think bob we kind of have the same mentality is we're always striving for greatness yeah we don't we don't want to settle uh for what we have we always want more we always want to be better and we always go into these going did i do enough did i do enough and and you know you know, I, I took uh, five of eight to the fifth series, you know, I ended up passing three. Um, obviously those, those five that didn't make it through, I did something wrong, right? And I take it personal. I take that personal. Um, and that means I need to be working harder to get stuff done and, and make sure I'm doing things better than I was.
0: Let's talk about that for a second, um, and then we're going to double back to differences on the Grand and the national when kevin and i go into the duck blind together you know that we're packing the bismuth baby man when i've got to pull up on a old drake millard i want to make sure that if my aim is true that that duck goes down and i am slinging the bismuth at him baby check him out kent cartridge bismuth at it this duck season From the duck blind to the holding blind, baby, it's Purina. Our young dogs are eating the puppy blend. Large breed puppy formula should be fed to puppies from eight weeks when you get that little bundle of joy home, that little cuddly, wuddly buddy, all the way to about a year old. We want that dog. To develop at a good, consistent rate. We don't want them to grow too fast too soon. And so that puppy formula is gonna help accomplish that goal. It's gonna give them all the nutrients to develop their bones, their joints, their ligaments, everything right. Feed that puppy formula till 12 months old and then flippity floppity to the 3020 Pro Plan. A lot of folks in our flight had many dogs, you know, 13 nine, eight, set, you know, 15, whatever. And, and the ratio of passing and failing was, was rugged. Um, Going into the, so you brought, you said eight and you had five going to the third. It's pretty stout. Right. I'm just, I'm terrible at math, but five, six, seven, eight. So three dogs have went out earlier. had <laughs> to use my, my fingers, right? <laughs> um, but going into the fifth, it's like, I know how I felt going into the fifth, so I'll, I'll maybe describe it, and then I want to hear how you felt. I felt like I had it in the bag. I felt like the judges had dropped so many dogs in our flight that they were not going to, what, I don't know how to say this appropriately, but like, they weren't just going to pencil whip you and... Say, like, tough break, bud, you're out. Like, I felt earlier in the week, some of the dogs that got dropped, you know, maybe could have rebounded and recovered. And, you know, one bobble shouldn't, you know, mean you're out, but in earlier it did. So I thought by the fifth series, like, we'd have to have major catastrophes happen for me to be dropped. I felt really freaking good. And that fifth series was not hard but holy cow, did we all get, like, I lost one, Uh, my buddy Blaine, you know, lost a few, like, dogs that were clean the whole time. Like, it just, we still got whacked pretty good. And it it was a tough pill to swallow for all of us to have our ratios be not where we thought or where we wanted or believed that they should be. And uh, walk me through through that process for you.
1: I tell you what, my (laughs) – where I was mentally Bob, I agree with you. You know, I went into that fifth and I felt great, man. I, you know, even though I had, I had lost three dogs going into the fifth with, with five dogs, I was, uh, you know, I, I, felt good, you know, and then I watched the, watched the test dog and I went, this doesn't seem that bad. Then we started watching a few, a few dogs run and went, this is worse than I thought. This is, there's some meat to this that I didn't think it was there. And that one mark, the one mark that got me with two of my dogs was a mark that was thrown in front of the water.
0: Me too. That's what got me.
1: That, that, that ate my dog. It blew their mind. Um, And, you know, we can sit here and say, I've heard people say contrary marks and I've heard people say other things, but our dogs got to be ready for it. They got to be ready. Um, whether it's thrown in front of the water, behind the water, whatever it is, the dogs have to be balanced enough to do the work. Um, and and those two dogs that went out, um, they were not. And and I need to make sure that's better next time.
0: Were they higher drive dogs that blew over top of it?
1: Both of them, yes. Yeah, same Z's. Okay. Yeah.
0: Uh, I hit the whistle probably a court uh, a, a 1.00, you know, whatever seconds. I hit that whistle when I saw he wasn't checking down. He was airborne. Yeah. Just <laughs> um, baby.
1: I had, he, I, had, I had one about
0: for the blind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. About he made blind,
2: it.
1: And then I had um, the other one was, it went hard left. I don't know why. Hard left and was searching over there. And I think he was going to go. I think he was going to go all the way around the water just because he was um, just so confused about what was going on. And and that's okay. I mean, we learned from it. We know that. I'm not saying I'm not gonna, I'm going to go out and train and throw 500 marks in front of the water. I'm not going to do that. But I, I'm probably going to mix that into the repertoire a little bit. You know that. Hey, you're going to have to check down in front of this water occasionally. Here, you're going to have to do that.
0: Yeah, I think what ended up, so I'll, I'll paint the picture again for folks. So we had a walk-up, you, you come out of the holding blind, there was a walk-up bird to the right, landed on land amongst some pine trees. Then a flyer that was shot across a pond, I think it was like 130 yards, but maybe a 25-yard run into the water a swim across the pond, drive up a steep hill, and it's up on top of the hill. Once they got up on top of the hill, most were able to, like, it was not a big area. They could just hunt it up, hunt it up, boom, pick it up. Then the third bird, which was your go bird, was splashed left to right in front of the water in some grass, and then in the water was more vegetation grass. Well, if your dog did a great job on those marks, it got to run the blind, which was under the arc of that mark. On the dike. So that means all the dogs that went to the dike and brought a duck back drug it through all that grass and then up to you, right? So now we're on dog whatever 50. And if your dog overruns that mark, it's smelling duck in that grass. It's smelling duck on the dike where the blind's being planted. And it thought, him in the area. I saw it fall. It's in this general vicinity, which was not far. And it's they just went into crazy hunt mode. And it was in, almost impossible. Very few recovered and they overran it. Very few.
1: Agree. Agree. And and those two that, that I had ran, they had both handled. Um, one of them, I think, had two handles. And and they got in that situation. And the one that had two handles, I was like, buddy, you just need to hunt it up. You're going to need to find it. And then it got worse and worse and worse. Finally, I went ahead and blue whistle, tried to handle him. And it he just completely imploded. And, um, he kept wanting to go back to where the blind was back to where the blind was. And then finally I did what most handlers would not want to do in the fifth series of master national. I pulled
0: it. I had the, I had the hand on the shoulder. I, I fought the good fight until she told me I had Yeah, this little lady, uh, walks behind me and puts her hand on my shoulder and I felt it. And I'm pretty sure I said, son of a, Bitch. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to swear. <laughs> uh, or maybe someone like that asshole. Something like that where I swore. I'm like, ah, oh, my bad, my bad. I know. I appreciate you let me try and for a while. Um, yeah, that's how it felt. Um and then I think the rest of my dogs, oh, another piece of that mark, which was handy, is the dogs that ran early, we were just walking up and sending it. But then once you ran it, if you came out of the holding blind a different way, you're still walking to the correct area, but you're just maybe a foot off. And that foot made a lot of difference because the dog could see the, the fall area much better instead of it being behind a tree. and
1: all of this is occurring, you know, for the listeners, all this is occurring in the timber, in a big pine forest where as the day went on, we started getting shadows. Yeah. We started getting more and more shadows. Um, ended up the last couple dogs I ran, I ended up wearing a, uh, a killer weed, um, handler's coat, right. Because there were be shadows in there that wearing black, wasn't going to get it anymore. Uh, that we were in that shadow and we had to take, do everything we could to help our dogs succeed in that situation. And one thing I saw is those shadows were really playing heck on the dog's vision in there.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So let's talk about the difference. First off, yeah, that sucks. We both got (laughs) humbled in that last series. Well, the whole Um,
1: thing was hard. I mean, we could talk, we could sit here, we could sit here for hours and talk about the first, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, and how difficult they were to the from the inline marks in the first series to that long punch bird across the water in the second. We could sit here for hours and talk about this and how difficult and how challenging of a master national that was, and it was, they were great tests. They are hard.
0: So this being your first one, this is what you think it is. This is hard. That's, yeah, it's hard. Um, I would say the, so I ran two previous. I did Idaho and Shira, South Carolina. Okay. They all had difficult portions that made your butt pucker for sure,
2: <laughs>
0: for sure. But what I did like, and is my main argument, which Jessica, no, no offense. My main argument about the master national and the grand is at the national, they let your dog hunt. They want to see it do what it's going to do. And then how you handle the situation. And then they judge it accordingly where the grand and I'm going to let Jessica take over here in a second. My, because I've never ran it. I hear people say, like, well, you put
2: them
0: on the bird, and now you're on ones, and you're just like, you feel like your dog didn't do too poorly, and it didn't even have a chance to succeed, and then they're telling you to put them on the bird, and now you're, you're on ones, which you've already described. So I always felt like from the two previous Master Nationals, I may have had a dog have a mediocre run where you're like, Oh man, I hope they get called back. I'm waiting. I can't tell the owner what's going on, you know, wait for it, wait for it. And then we get called back and you know that you've got to make ground up and those judges stay with you so they can see the progress that the dog makes. Like, Hey, it just had a bad moment. It's not a bad dog. And so then the next series, it comes out and front foots, everything and hammers the blind. And you're like, I'm back in the game. And then the next series you do a good job. And the next series you pound it and you're like, okay, it's a balancing act at the national. I f- I felt like this year was a little less forgiving. And I do feel like the tests were a lot more technical and tight, but that wasn't the, like I didn't feel like it was over my dog's heads it, as far as what they've been trained to do. So I have no complaints at how the tests like tests were set up or even how the judging was. I just felt like this one compared to the two others that I've ran was more strict on, the pencils where it's like, no, nope, you don't get another shot. That one, that one Mark sucked. And even though the rest were good, that one sucked. You're out. And it's like, okay, I, I get it. But other nationals, I felt like they would say that one sucked. You better be good. And then you, you can build upon it and grow. Um, Jessica.
1: Well, I'm, I'm going to jump in real quick. <laughs> all right, I just want to
0: hear her say put him on the bird. The,
1: <laughs> she sits behind me in training, and I get to hear it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing about the Grand and Master National for the listeners, I had a dog go from the Grand. He's a three-time Grand dog. He's passed the Grand three times. He's a Grand Hunter Retriever champion. He went out in the first series of the Master Master National with mm-hmm. an inline mark. And what he did broke he do? down in the old area of the fall, and they—he was out. So, yeah. with with that being said, I mean, it it can happen there too, right? For sure. I mean, it it can happen there too. But Jessica, go ahead. Just say it. I'm interested. To listen to it too. Here we
3: go.
0: <laughs> say the words.
3: Put him on the bird. <laughs> oh God, no, no. Honestly, as a judge, that's—I hate it. I hate it. I mean, I. I said I've judged the grand three times and I've been great to be paired with some really good judges that mentored me along the way. And, um, you know, we are we are told in our judges seminar, these dogs aren't robots. We don't want them to be robots. Let them hunt, give them a chance to figure it out. And I, I would hope that anybody that's run under me would say that I'm very fair to dogs when it comes to that. Um, I I love watching dogs work. I love it. I, the first time they asked me to judge a grand, I thought, man, I'm going to be bored by day two or three, watching the same test, you know, four days in a row. And I remember I turned around in the morning of day three and I just went, Oh my gosh, I love this. I could do this every day. I just, (laughs) I love watching dogs. I want them to succeed. Um, so when we have to tell someone to put their dog in the bird, that's it's, it hurts me as much as it hurts them. It really.
0: Does. All right, I believe you. That was compelling. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and from the handlers' aspect at the grand, one thing I'll say is, when I've been told for my for me to put my dog on the bird, they probably needed it. Okay. Right? They probably need whether they were way outside the the hunt area, or they broke down on the way to a mark, or, you know. They're just clearly hunting the wrong side of of the of the mark. You, you, yeah, you're going to get told to do it, but I'd say ninety plus percent of the time that I've been told put my dog on the bird, it's been they probably deserve. It.
0: Very good. So I think that's fair. in your uh, opinion. Compare like compare the two. You know, not because you've only ran one national, you can compare to one right this year's fall grand compared to this year's master national the setups what was more difficult
1: Ooh, boy um when you look at them they're just they're they're both very difficult in their own rights and, okay. and try to compare them together is is super 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 difficult because you have so many different factors at each each one you know at the at the grand you've got the shotgun at the line at the master national you've got the shot in the field that could make your dog break right i mean you've you've got all this other different things it it's so hard to compare i i tell you what the master national with the concepts they had with the poison birds that, i felt like that was really difficult for dogs that first series i I mean, I was just in awe at that first series, to be honest with you. I was like, holy smokes. If this is what this thing's going to be like, this is a monster. And it was. It
2: was a monster.
0: So uh, I'll kind of describe it for folks real quick. The poison bird that he's talking about, triple went down. You pick up the go bird. You come back no off of a flyer and a short bird. And you had to run a blind under the arc of the short bird that was maybe 20 feet from it yeah
2: yeah
0: probably 20 feet and the wind was blowing from the duck to the line to the blind yep and if you cheated it fat meaning you, you you gave the the line to the blind too much room and didn't challenge the line to the blind you were out so you really had to hold them to it or or you and lost I,
1: them behind the hay bale
0: right or you lost or them behind the the hay there,
1: bale. you lost losing behind
0: there yep and i would say most of mine like Node off real well, thinking, okay, this is really good. They took a good initial line. I'm thinking, oh wow, I'm doing a really good job. And then they'd hit that scent cone, and you just saw him hit the brakes, going,
2: yeah, oh yeah,
0: I <laughs> found it. And you'd have to hit that whistle and keep him off that bird. Um, and it was just a, a butt pucker series after series after series. All had instances where it's like, it, I'm taking a good dog to the line, but holy crap this is the real deal.
2: Absolutely. Um,
0: Yeah, for sure, man. It was
1: was tough. And, you know, like I said, it's hard to distinguish which one is to try to say which one's harder, which one's more difficult, which one is this, which one is that. I mean, running both of them this year, Holy smokes. They were tough. Both of them are tough, both of them are tough. But the one that sticks out in my mind, the best, the most besides the fourth series of the grand, which we'll talk, I can talk about in a little bit um, was the first series of that master national, but seeing that and watching what those dogs did and losing that three time grand dog to that inline mark. Cause where the flyer went down to where that mm-hmm. the middle bird fell, the line to the flyer was right over the top of that short middle bird.
0: Yeah, most of mine were like that too.
1: That three time complained it
0: short, but yeah, most and, of them were damn near in line.
1: And if yeah, if that flyer felt short, man, felt short. They were just right in line. And mine was in line. And he broke down right there, and I went ahead and gave him a quick whistle in the back, and he went right out, picked the flyer up, and he was dropped. And that's when I went, wow, this is this is for real, yo. <laughs> this is for real. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah it really sets the tone that you don't have your shit together
1: yeah (laughs) i guess you know going to the fourth series of the grand um kind of a shout out to my old dog wally he's a hrch he's ran the the grand five times
3: five times yeah. five
1: times his first time at the grand he went to the fifth series and i lost him in the fifth series of the grand and then he went to the fourth Four series and then he went to the third series then he went to the second series and his last it's really run running <laughs> his <laughs> last time running he goes to the fourth series and he goes out on noise oh. he barked coming off the line he he barked at the marks and he was just so jacked up and when you look back at it you know would you want to hunt with that dog i get it no right he's a your grand dog's not supposed to bark a grand dog's no. not supposed to do that but the hard part was he stepped on all three of those marks and he didn't just run a blind he lined it and they dropped it tell you what that's a hard one to take
0: but, they, yeah just you dog. really let them down dropping them like that yeah it's it's
1: yeah <laughs> he's he's a grand dog um he's not supposed to make the noise and that's something they take into into huge account at the grand is line manners line manners line manners so your dogs if you're looking at front of the grand your dog needs to sit really 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 good watch every mark really good pick up marks really nice run the blinds really nice if your dogs can do all that with a shotgun sitting next to him, come on and let's run a grand let's do it. And if, if you've got a good grand dog, take him to the master national, let's run them. Let's run them. I mean, let's try it. And that's kind of what I did with, with these dogs this year. There's a real talented group of dogs that I ran, uh, yeah. but uh, times are changing. I'm going to have some young
2: ones coming up. So,
0: Same here, dude. Time. Same here. I've got such a young crew. Hey, LoneDuckOutfitters.com is another great way to support the show. If you want to get a hat, you want to get a little swaggy swag, check it out. LoneDuckOutfitters.com. That's another place you can support the show and show up to a hunt test repping the gear. Uh, Jessica, yeah, which flight, because they call them all different, right? You got like the Avery, the, which one did you do?
3: I was banded water this this time.
0: Wait a minute, wasn't that the hard one?
3: No. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was the kitty pool. That was the kitty pool. Yeah. I'll call him out. <laughs> no, funny story. So when I judge, you know, if Casey gets drawn my flight, he has to move yeah, to a different deep. flight, different um site for the day. And of the three times I have judged, he has drawn my site first, twice. So his whole flight ran under me the very first day this fall. And he went and ran the kiddie pool, which, if you look at the statistics, they dropped the most dogs. Um, can't always go by. Is that the hardest? You've got to, there's a lot of factors in it. But um, so he ran the kiddie pool, and, and the rest of his flight ran banded with me. So I kept asking, him, like, so what they think of my test? What they think of it? <laughs>
1: he <laughs> wouldn't really yeah.
3: tell me anything. But the first, unfortunately, the weather was not good for that test the first two days, and mm. it it
1: it was cold.
3: It was cold. Holy smokes, cold! It was really cold and overcast and rainy. And And when
1: we say it's cold from up here, it's freaking cold.
3: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, you guys are up there. uh So what was it? What was your setup?
3: Um, the so we had um we had honor dog on, on at our site. So the honor dog was on the right. Working dog was on the left on a platform. Our first bird out was kind of up a hill at about 108 yards um, off the right. So both the honor dog and working dog both shot at that first bird out. Then you swing over to the left side of the pond and then that bird comes out um, right to left at about 110 yards, kind of lands. They've got to cut the edge of the water and then push up a hill to get that bird. And then the go bird was right across the pond in the middle, uh, kind of an incoming, um, angled in a little um i think that was about 85 yards um and in a week, you know they can pick them up in any order most dogs did pick up that first one first but then it depended on the winds on each day whether they went to the right outside right outside bird or left outside bird next um and then our blind was um the first part was down the shore and then there was a little um open bay area to the right so once they got past that um you know some of those dogs wanted to hook back into that open water um push past that open water and then the second half was all up on land past the um fall of that middle bird the middle gold bird so it was a small piece of water but we we made it work
0: (laughs) it worked yeah were you dropping dogs for cheating that corner
3: no um we had a couple on the blind that wanted to get up on land or hook back there, but as far as marks go, um, no. That a lot of them just wouldn't either push up the hill or were going back to a, an old fall or something else. Um,
0: How tight was it for them to go back to an old fall?
3: It was not. It was not real tight. I didn't think. <laughs> uh, but I you know, like, but like I said, the, the, we had every wind you can imagine. So there was days when the whole flight came up and smashed the marks. And then the next day they could come and half of them could do it. It was really dependent on the wind. And um you could tell drag back got to be an issue later in sure. the week and dogs would hunt shorts and, and stuff like that. And we just, uh, on some of those marks, if they got too far off to the side, they just, they, they really couldn't recover. They, there was nothing there that was keeping them there. They just, had a hard time recovering.
0: Interesting. Cool. Well, that's, I, again, I've never been, I, we don't have a lot of HRC in my area. This is, These are all my excuses. So I'll give them to you. We don't have a lot of HRC in the area. I travel a lot already. And so I don't want to be gone anymore. So if I were to juggle AKC and HRC, I'd be gone every weekend all year long, basically to chase everybody's title. Um, it's still in the back of my head that I'd love to take a stab at it. I just wish I didn't have to go seven week, you know, get seven passes on all the dogs and none of mine are UKC registered either. So it's like, I'd have to do all the paperwork and deal with the clients with the paperwork and then run seven finished passes or more because they aren't all perfect. But I would love to go and experience it to see. You know, how we would fare. I mean, it's just another fun game for dogs that deserve to be there and people that deserve to be there and meet the people like you guys that deserve to be there. And um, it sounds like a ton of fun. But I always come like I always lead into master nationals with a stomachache and I leave with a stomachache. (laughs) So why do it again with another one?
1: I, I can tell you what i I really, really enjoyed our Master national our flight. We all worked really well together. We had a great time, um, some some great people in that in that flight. Um, we could sit here and talk about everybody, but thank you to everybody that uh, was so gracious and kind um, to me and to everybody else. Thanks to the judges. Um, you know thank you for everything y'all did. we sure we certainly appreciate it.
0: Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. It's a fun time. It's a big, big deal. Um, a couple things let's, let's hammer out. How was your duck season? You kind <laughs> of
1: it was a good duck season. It was a little bit, uh, tough cause we hunted on our own place a lot, sure. uh, but it was a good duck season and uh, I just got back from Nebraska last week mm-hmm. and had a great trip down there going after uh, canada geese uh, very good. did a did a great had a great great hunt down there
0: very good. what uh, do you take the client dogs? or do you take a personal dog oh uh, we
1: took I took two personal dogs and they each retrieved and and did great
0: good for you. Uh, now everyone wants to come to North and South Dakota <laughs> from all across the country to hunt. But maybe like for me, I've never been there to hunt.
1: Well, I, I, can, I can tell you that South Dakota is a limited draw state. So if you are thinking about coming to South Dakota, I can't remember. It's the 15th,
3: it's early July.
1: Well, on December 15th when they have to apply by, or you can buy a preference point. Oh, didn't we- you say you were game warden? <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm just trying to make sure. So you can buy a preference point. All the way through to de- until December 15th. Okay. So
0: and if there's questions, Google it. That's why there's Google.
1: That, yeah, so you could buy a preference point till December 15th, but the, the application is due the end of June or July. Mm-hmm. The application is due to be able to apply for a waterfowl license. But if you would have you could buy a preference point now, and then that would help when you draw on the in the end of June or July. Uh, for the for the license, so up here you can do a three day license or a ten day license. The ten day license you can split into two five day periods, so that makes it really nice. They just changed that a few years back, where you can split it into two five day periods. Um, one reason a lot of people come up here is is uh, dry field hunt mallards, um, incredible. incredible. When it's right, when it's right, it's incredible. Um, A lot of scouting, a lot of time, a lot of effort. Um, This area up here can be very good, um, but it can also, you can also struggle if you have a wet year, um, the corn's not out, you know, something like that. It very makes it very difficult to get into the fields. Um, So, luckily, we're set up for that pretty good uh, to be able to get into the wet fields and be able to do that stuff. But coming from out of state trying to hunt, um, just make sure you guys are looking at that. A non-resident license, end of June, July, to be able to apply for that license, to be able to come up here and experience the hunting up here, which, in my opinion, is some of the best in the country.
0: Very cool. What are some hazards? I brought up before we started foxtails, uh, which is like a seed head. What well, are Can some- you guys explain more of what that is rather than... Me, I have somebody
3: perfect. <laughs> yeah.
0: This is ideal. Look at that.
3: Yeah. So it, it's a, it's a grass and it's got um, the seed head has a barbed on on it. And so when it gets on your dog, it, it has a, a way to bur- burrow its way in. So, so a lot of times they breathe them in through their nose, but they can also come in if they get them like on their side Um, they will actually burrow their way into their skin and start working their way through their body. We've had multiple friends who have spent tens of thousands of dollars to save their dogs that have gotten um, foxtail injuries. Um, One still alive is missing part of her lung. Um, The other one, um, I think they said it went in by his kidney and hit his spine and then just migrated up his spine. Um, So it's, And a lot of dogs don't recover from it because it also carries a certain bacteria with it that um, is very deadly to dogs. So, um, it's it's a real deal up here. And we actually, a lot of our hunt tests in the summer, we have to move our our hunt tests around depending on where that foxtail is.
0: I was literally just going to ask, how do you mitigate that as a hunter? So, I guess my question is, I come hunt. What am I looking for? Where do I put my dog and not put my dog tailgate checks, um, stuff like that. And then how do you do it as a trainer where it's like, I got 30 of these sons of guns running around. How do I know, you know, I mean, just, I can't, I mean, maybe people do, but I can't do tailgate checks on 30 dogs every single day after I run. We just completely avoid it. Uh, We completely avoid it. Um, If there's some,
1: you know, there was a little bit up at the Fargo retriever grounds and, Uh, glendon minnesota which is the north dakota retriever grounds they had a little bit up there and they went so far as to buy a vacuum to cut it and vacuum it up oh wow like a leaf like a leaf vacuum to vacuum it up um i've used it i've ran our john deere bagger mower at our gravel pit vacuuming it up i mean getting it completely off the ground it's not terrible when it's green when it's green and the the seed head won't come off of the plant it's not that bad but when it when it turns brown and it dies and that seed head releases um, it's just got so much fiber in it just like Jessica said it's barbed so once it gets in some of the signs you can see if you've got a dog limping um, you need to check their paws obviously we would all do that now if you've got a dog sneezing sometimes those can get in the dog's nose the barb hits and they can't get it out Um, if you've got a dog that's just say you pheasant hunted and you know you went through a big patch of foxtail and the dog is continuously sneezing go to the vet go to the vet they have the tools to get that out of the dog's nose uh, to make sure you get it out of the dog's paws whatever it is they've got the tools to do it make sure they do it and do it right so especially if you're up here and you have dogs acting like that simply take them to the vet shout out to the webster vet in webster south dakota there are they are vet that we run to all the time for any issues they're always really
2: good to help us
0: yeah. Actually, you mentioned that you knew our buddy, Joe Spoo. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yep.
2: Yep. That
0: guy has been
2: worked on
1: by Joe Spoo. What's well, something. man?
0: <laughs> <laughs> See him?
3: Dog twitch,
0: yep. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely.
3: He's been worked
1: <laughs> on by Spoo a
0: bunch. That's awesome. I just talked to him on the ride to our Missouri hunt. It's just great to catch up with him. We got to get him, Kevin, mental note text joe and get him on the show he's a great guy. Uh, um, he's a
2: great guy yeah, yeah.
0: Su- super super good well so i'd like to uh, do a
2: quick shout
1: out if it's all right bob to uh whoever you want man caitlin anthony which you got to meet caitlin at the master yeah. national um she helped me with dogs at the master national she's got a, a Dog business called Companion Gun Dogs, Companion Gun Dogs in Giddings, T- Giddings, Texas. It's always a great thing, a good feeling when you can come off the line at the Master National and you've got somebody there that you can hand the lead to that you trust. Um, yeah. It's awful, imp- awful, awful great. And the other one is Tiana Stokely with TNT Canine Connections out of uh, Elk Point, mm-hmm. South or Vermillion, mm-hmm. South Dakota. Uh, Tiana Stokely, she was with me at the Grand. And again, I could hand her the lead, trust her, uh, with the dogs, uh, great, great, great ladies to have with you out training and hunting and, and doing that stuff.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Let's quickly. So are there any other things? Like if I'm, I'm an out of stater and I come and hunt your guys area that I need to be weary of such as foxtails or, you know, up here we've got uh, porcupines, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. What what do we've got to worry about bringing our dogs to home you know
1: the, the nice thing about South Dakota is besides, besides tail and ice. I mean,
3: well, we do have a few blue green algae, blue green algae, but that's especially early
1: in the season, early, early season, say September timeframe. You might have some blue green algae in the water. Really watch out for that. If the water looks strange at all in September, when you're in South Dakota, don't even put your dog in the water. Nope. Um, it'll kill them within 24 hours, the blue-green algae will. And it's it's really hit or miss up here, if if you've got it or not. But um, one thing that I was going to say is kind of up here in our area, we've got a, a lot of tribal land um, up in the area. So really, if you're up here hunting, use your Onyx, uh, your Onyx app. Use that thing. Make sure you know where you're at. Um, stop and knock on doors. People let you hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, people will let you hunt up here. We've got a ton of public ground, a ton of, public. we've got over 10,000 acres of public ground in this County alone. Um, so whether it's for pheasant hunting or, or waterfowl hunting, uh, we've got a lot of opportunity here. So come on out. We're not, we're not trying to hide anything. It's, uh, it's incredible hunting and fishing up here.
0: Yeah, we are trying to hide stuff. So stay out of our area. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, let's, Let's quickly chat about, you know, being a game warden, um, maybe a cool story or a memorable thing that revolved around waterfowl where it's like, well, if I'll never do that, buddy.
1: Well, I can tell you that most of the waterfowl hunters that I observed never knew I was there. Right. I checked if they were doing the right thing, I left them alone. If they were doing the wrong thing, that's when I'd come in and check them. And typically that's with observation. Um, you know, I did, I got anything off people from marijuana to methamphetamines to a whole bunch of different stuff from hunters. And those are the ones we don't want out there, right? Those are the ones we don't want to meet in the field. Uh, those are the ones we, we don't want to meet at a parking lot in the morning, get ready to go out and do that stuff. Those are the people we didn't want there. And those are the ones that I targeted. Those are the ones I want to go after. Um, you know, one memorable one was I sat, um, some goose hunters they were hunting in corn strips and half of it was combined the other half wasn't they were hunting in the they had their decoys in the combined portion they were standing in the uncombined portion and i just walked down the rows and i got within two rows behind them and sat and watched them and they decided to partake in some marijuana and
2: oh.
1: uh, sit there and watch and um so far I get, and i talked to him about it and we dealt with it and went on with our day. Right, but just to let you know that you always need to do the right thing, no matter if anybody's watching or not.
0: That's right. We the word I used earlier was integrity.
2: Yep.
0: Do the right thing, even when no one's watching, and it's always to do the right thing. Or Wait, it's right to do it right. I don't know, something like that. (laughs) Knowledge for Bob. That's it. it.
2: (laughs) it. Perfect. We don't
0: let Bob put things on T-shirts. That's that's there's no bumper stickers (laughs) or T-shirts coming out of this, but. That's do, awesome. Do the right thing. There you go. That's <laughs> awesome. Very cool. Uh Jessica as an HRC grand judge, mm-hmm. what are some things you love to see and things you don't like to see from dogs that are running hunt tests under under you?
3: Oh boy. Um I just love to see dogs love their job and do what they were bred to do. I mean, those dogs that just come out and have it all put together. I mean, I I judge everything from started, you know, young dogs up to the grand, and and I enjoy all levels of judging because you can see the progression both as as they have learned and their talent gets better. And and we talked about that mental part of it too, to see some of that stuff come together. So I just love to see dogs out there having fun, doing what they're bred to do. Um, Gosh, when it comes to what I don't want to see. I don't, I don't know. Um I, I think the one thing that sometimes I sometimes people run dogs before they're quite ready to run at that specific level. And it's it's hard on both that dog and the handler and the judges. It's it's just hard for everybody. And I, I think we've done it before too. We've run some dogs before yeah. we, we thought they were ready and they got in that situation and realize they just weren't quite there yet um and so it's a learning experience for everybody but um as long as we learn from it and and do better by our dogs next time that's that's all I can hope for
0: over prepare underwhelmed
3: exactly yep
0: but I also would say like you don't know until you try and so if you try and it doesn't go Perfect. Now you know what you need to work on, but don't jump into it two weeks later. Like, oh, I worked on it for two weeks. I'm good.
2: Yep. Like, yep.
0: Take your time.
2: Exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, what's your biggest pet peeve, though? Like, oh. as a judge, you see this walking to the line or it's out in the field and you're like, man, mm-mm. I know mine. I'll go mine.
1: We're going to specifically, this is about dogs and not husband, right? <laughs> right we're going to make sure we're very clear about that.
0: 100%. Can't throw them under the bus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hate it when dogs drop and pick up birds, drop and pick up birds, drop and pick up birds at like in the field. And when they're delivering to hand and it's like, fetch, fetch them up. You're at a master national. If you got to tell your dog to fetch. -uh. No problem. Yep.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I I would say the mouthiness because any dog that runs competition, if they don't have that under control, it's a, a recipe for disaster at any level, at any level. Yeah. I would agree with that.
0: We're beating them out of the holding blind, like coming out of the holding blind and being eight feet in front of them. That grind <laughs> <might get
2: better.
0: laughs> All right, Casey, what's yours? Ooh,
1: Oh, I, I would say mine, if we, if we're going to look at hunt tests, mine is other handlers yelling at dogs. You've seen, do you you've seen them like when they're airing or when they're um. Come to the line, whether you're on the honor or you're on the working, and they're raising their voice to their dog, and it causes your dog to take its mind off of you or its mind off the work it's about to do. That is my pet peeve,
0: which comes down to their dog is out of control, yes, most likely, yes.
1: yes. And hey, I've been there, I've been there, I've had an out of control dog, there's no doubt about
0: it. Well, I've had them break, but yeah, I,
1: I've had it's <laughs> out of control. She was probably out of control until she was. Four she's pretty wild, nay
2: nay yeah,
1: she was out of control till she was four, now she's held S- seven
3: she got seven, she finally calmed down.
1: <laughs> she's seven, and she's a great <laughs> hunting retriever champion. Finally. So
3: it took a little
0: time. <laughs> that's awesome, that's awesome, oh man, well, I've enjoyed this i i i'm I didn't really start off with what I wanted to start off with, but i'm I'm going to end with. You know, this is my first time meeting Jessica, and I'm thankful for you being on the show with us, and I would love to meet you in person someday, but your husband, Casey, was a gentleman. He was kind. He outworked, like he attempted to outwork everybody. Like It was like his goal that he was going to help every single day, picking up, tearing down, offering his services, his four-wheeler. You know, just never left any stone unturned for someone to have to pick up slack. Like he was just there. He always had a smile on his face. You know, just come up and shake your hand. Things that I admire in a human, not just a dog trainer, a human. And, um, and his dogs looked really good. You know, just happy to be there, worked hard and did a nice job. Um, and that's why I wanted to have you on the show. And so it's a bonus that Jessica got to join us, but I wanted everybody to get to know you and feel what I felt when I first met you. And so we'll definitely have to do this again. And I'm super excited that you both invited me and Kevin to come and hunt with you next year on your property. <laughs>
1: come on. Absolutely. Come on. Come on. Look at Kevin. Look at him.
0: <laughs> Kevin's choking on his beer ski. Yeah. We would, it just was a pleasure. And I hope that our paths cross again. Um, are you going to go to Kentucky?
1: Yes. Yep. Yep. I I will be there. I will be there. And hey, Bob, the, the feeling was mutual watching you work, uh, getting to meet you. Uh you worked your tail off that Master National. So uh kudos to you and, and great meeting you and Kevin.
0: Hey, thank you. All right, everybody. FR Labs, Casey and Jessica up there in northeast South Dakota let it rip. Thanks for joining us. Um, we're going to have all the links to their stuff in the description below. So please do me a favor and go check them out. And Casey, Jessica, thanks for joining us, everybody. Thank you for tuning in as always. Thanks
1: for having us. Awesome. Thank you.
0: Hey, join our community if you enjoy the show, if you enjoy our YouTube, if you enjoy Instagram. It's like buying me and Kevin a beer. Join patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. The link is in the description. Click that link. Join the community. We've got tons of great videos, tons of great content, and you can ask me more questions. So join it. Enjoy it. We did it for you, and you're helping us produce a show so thank you so much to that community get in get out let's roll patreon.com forward slash lone duck outfitters